Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous new inventory. Great pre owned inventory. Sales staff, service department, top-notch, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. So we've been getting emails today. Yeah. So which, which email should I start with first? Oh, there are a couple good ones today. Yeah. Let's see here. Let's start with this one. Don wrote this. Uh, let's see. Please, Steve, no excuses for Saturday's game. Penn State was spanked and clearly unprepared. Going forward on fourth on the first drive is incomprehensible. Matt Millen said the same thing. I know you view the world through blue and white colored glasses, but most of us deal in reality. This season is heading south quickly, and Franklin has lost the team, which is not good for any coach. I understand you're the self-proclaimed voice of the Lions. When have I ever said that in my life? But tempered a bit with crediting the other team once in a while. Uh, excuse me, what, what, what is this? Could I have given a more blunt assessment about I don't know and this isn't what I expected yesterday? How honest do you want me to be about it? Did I start out by saying, look, let's give Maryland credit with what they did? Because I didn't want to take anything away from them. But obviously the concentration is on this team, this show. All right. All right. When I'm explaining the fourth down play, I'm explaining that the coach is going for it. All right. I thought he was going to kick a field goal. But I'm explaining what he's trying to tell his team. He's trying to tell his team, I think you can make it. He's trying to tell his defense that you can stop them if they don't make it. And neither one ended up working at all. Um, but I thought that was a really nice, friendly email that really, you know, was, I thought, was really laced with a lot of uh, great uh, commentary. Don't you think? Absolutely. Now, maybe you agree with it, Matt, but that's, you know, you can kind of tell by your tone you might. Um, let's see. Then, of course, Mike Mike said he liked the show, so Mike, thanks. Peekich? I don't know if I pronounce that right. Mike, thanks for the like of the show. Appreciate that. Let's see. Where's the other one here? The other one was actually very interesting. Steve, wondering how you'd compare and contrast this year's team with the 2000 Penn State team. Both teams were in the top five the year before and were disappointing the following year. Both teams lost a dominant number 11, Arrington, of course, and then Parsons. Any other similarities, or is this season so unique you can't draw comparisons? Jim from San Francisco. Is this Jim from San Francisco? 
I th you know? think it might be, yeah. Yeah. CZ bailed us um, quite a bit. Uh, I remember in preseason practice in 2000, number one, you had Rashard Casey had played a lot of quarterback. He and Kevin Thompson had split in 99. Sean Clifford was the quarterback all the way through, obviously, in 2019. But Casey had played some of the year, and then when they needed him, Casey started and and finished the Alamo Bowl against Texas A&M. So Richard played the entire game. So I thought he'd make a big difference in 2000. This is what I didn't like about, that I was uneasy about going into the 2000 season. I felt outside of Eddie Drummond that they didn't have a lot of jump on offense. That was the part. I remember going into that season, and then Eddie Drummond, the week of the opener with USC, tweaked a hamstring. Like uh, I remember saying to Jack, like, oh, boy. this is the one guy they've got a lot hanging on with what they're going to do. And then they lost to USC, what, 29-5. to They lost to Toledo, I want to say 24-6. to uh, Larry Johnson, I think, broke off a late touchdown run. It was 24 nothing. I remember Toledo had a guy named Chester Taylor who ended up playing in the NFL for several years with both the Ravens and the Vikings. Uh, and they just dominated the game. Then Penn State finally broke through, beat Louisiana Tech 66-6, to which was notable for me because that's the last game my dad attended. That's um, always brought with it kind of a mixed feeling for me. That game, it was the third game. It was Louisiana Tech. Penn State won it sixty-six to six. I remember James Boyd uh, ran a pick back for a touchdown in the game. And you know, my dad was listening to the game, but I knew he had already had the onset of Alzheimer's at that point. And it's like you know, and and I always kind of wondered if he even realized that was the one that he was listening to. But that's okay. Um. Defensively, I remember Kerpakis was really good on that team. And Kerpakis on the 2000 team, Justin could make up for a lot of mistakes um, around him. What they had struck me about that team, though, is that as the season went, they got better. As the season went, they got better. Um, now, obviously, that team had to endure the tragedy of of Adam Talaferro. They went to Ohio State. Ohio State took them pretty good here. Um, and if and tonight it's going to be on BTN tonight. Uh, Adam's story because they only gave him a three percent chance to walk. I mean, it, the 2000 season was so odd. So they start out poorly. They beat Louisiana Tech. Then, look, Ohio State just flat-out handled them. Adam then gets severely hurt. But then they come back against Drew Brees and Purdue the next week, and they won the game 22-20. So, I, you know, the difference, Jim, is for me is is, quite frankly, this. I was uneasy about the 2000 team offensively going in uh, for two reasons. Number one, I felt Drummond was really the, the one big playmaker they had on the outside. 
And I remember before USC, they had a lot of stuff into Drummond going in. They couldn't. You know, Drummond did start and play a little bit against USC, against Polamalu and those guys. But I just felt like outside of him, now you know, obviously there's McCo and there's um, you know Eric McCo and Larry Johnson and so forth at running back. But I'm talking about in the outside. I felt Drummond was the only legitimate outside threat that they had on that team. And he was banged up late in training camp, and I thought that's going to be a big trouble. Uh, eventually, that team settled down. Uh, where they go? Five and seven, I think. You know, they lost to Michigan, obviously. They lost to Ohio State. I remember Casey had a spectacular individual play against Illinois. Uh, And, of course, we talked about the Purdue game and the emotion of it, which I'm sure will be part of what's going on with the Adam Talaferro deal tonight. This team, Jim, and I, I talked about this extensively yesterday. That's why Don's email is so baffling to me. I sat there and I, I said, I don't know. I sat here yesterday and said flat out that what I thought I was going to see, I'm not seeing. I thought the offensive line would be experienced and very good. And so far they've struggled. I thought the defense early in the season would carry the day for this team a little bit. In fact, when Penn State took the 21-20 lead against Indiana, I became comfortable with what I was seeing. Because I thought the defense was going to be good enough to hold it. And then even when it was 28-20 when, you know, Ford obviously made the mistake and went in the end zone. I still thought, yeah, the defense is playing great. They just created a four and out. They're going to be fine. I really thought these things. And none of it has played out the way I thought it would. 2000, in a lot of ways, came played out close to what I thought it would be, Jim. I thought maybe they could be maybe six and six, get to a bowl game, seven and five, maybe with that team because they lost so much. And remember Casey was going through that legal situation. That was the other part too. Short Casey was going through a legal situation with uh, uh it was alleged that he decked an off-duty police officer and it turned out it was not true. He did not. He eventually won. In fact, Richard ended up winning a um uh, a suit against the city of Hoboken, which, by the way, helped set up the college fund for his son. And anybody who knows Richard, I, Lou Prado, he, uh, Richard interned at um, at the All Sports Museum, and Lou Prado can't say enough good things about Richard Casey. Uh, it was just one of the circumstances people had it wrong. Uh, people had it wrong. Uh, and the... So, yeah, Jim, that's a good question because um, obviously I was a person standing there for both of them. And not only that, you didn't even question my integrity. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Don and Matt both have. I mean, the suit's defending me. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. No need to search high and low for the best holiday bargains. They're easy to find at Sunbury Motors Kia.
At Sunbury Motors Kia, all prices are clearly marked with rebates and discounts. See the sticker and know the savings. SMC has 27 2021 Kia Sportages to choose from, and they start at just $23,490. Kia's all-new midsize sedan, the Kia K5, starts at only $23,746. And it's now available in all-wheel drive. And listen to this. Sunbury Motors Kia has 23 of the hot new 2021 Kia Seltos arriving this month. Preserve yours today. This small all-wheel drive crossover starts at $21,793. And remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. The best holiday bargains are easy to find at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see dealer or go to Kia.com. No high school roundtable this week. Nobody's playing. All right, so. You didn't want me to throw that in there? <laughs> None of our teams are playing, at least. We have uh, three area teams that are playing that are still left. Right. Okay, who's uh, who's playing? Southern. Southern, Southern Columbia, obviously. Correct. <laughs> uh, Southern, yeah. Col- Southern Columbia is going to be playing into December. I yes. got it. Uh, they, are, they have a rematch with Richland at Altoona. On Saturday, Danville has Archbishop Carroll, and Jersey Shore has Crestwood. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see here. Greg Sharp, the play-by-play guy at the Nebraska. I mean, it's, it, Greg does not. Greg does football and baseball for Nebraska. Kent Pavelka does basketball for them. So. You know, I get to see Greg sometimes, but you know, with this rotation, I don't get to see him that much. He's an awesome guy, and I'm just—he's been texting me here about a couple things because he wants me to tape something with him on Thursday morning. Um, but it's interesting—they—I noticed they didn't name a quarterback, by the way, which I did not expect. I mean, I, it's one of those I expected Scott Frost to not say who's going to be the starting quarterback. In this case, to be frank with you, it doesn't matter. Uh, McCaffrey, who, by the way, is very talented. You watch the tape. He's a very good player. Martinez is a very good runner. He's been uh, – I felt like Adrian Martinez has plateaued as a as a thrower, but as a runner, he's really good, very skilled. You can see why they're really high at McCaffrey. Uh, but I also thought it was interesting that when it was winning time last week, he put McCaffrey in. But when I say it doesn't matter who starts, it really doesn't because stylistically they're the same. This is not one of those where one guy is dramatically different than the other guy. Remember I was just talking about the 2000 team, Rashard Casey and Kevin Thompson in 99? Kevin Thompson and Rashard Casey were, uh, were not the same quarterback. Okay. Um. Uh, this is when it comes to McCaffrey and Martinez. They have similar skill sets. Now, I think now Martinez is more experienced, but I can see why they, they're really big on McCaffrey. So we'll see. Uh, they don't put out a depth chart. Like, yeah, that's great. And it'll kind of have that Manhattan Project feel to it. Like uh, Scott's a football game. 
Now, I realize that we are not supposed to put out our company's secrets either. I do understand that. Um, so you want to explain what went on in yesterday's staff meeting? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, it was today because we did not have it yesterday. What? What? You yes. gotta be kidding me. We had another remote yesterday at the Susquehanna Valley Mall, so we moved it to today. Oh, okay. Very nice. Uh, James Franklin had his press conference today. Um, it, I, let me start with this. I think there are, there's a certain segment. Now, the vast majority of people will, will understand what I'm about to say, but there's a certain segment out there that looks at college players like they're pros. So in other words, if we're sitting there and we're looking at the Eagles, for example, would I break down, uh, hey, look, a big problem has been Carson Wentz, a big problem has been Peters at left tackle, What you know, yeah, because they're getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to do what they do, okay? But you don't call out college players, you just don't, unless obviously they break the law. So, you know, I'm talking about in terms of play. You don't call out college players, and college coaches should not call out college players. So, you know, so James Franklin, after the opener with Indiana, right? You know, it takes a lot of heat for you know for the scoring play and so forth. And look, he's not going to sit there and call out his player. People, I think there's there's uh, on the offensive line. There's a certain player I think that some people are looking at saying ought to be you know maybe they ought to replace him. Well, he's not going to call out the player. Not going to do that. It's not what you do. Hey, now if you want to sit there, and it's the NFL, and you're doing a you're doing a, a Jets talk show. Should Joe Flacco start instead of Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold's healthy? You know what I mean? No, I'm seriously. It's you know what I mean. You can do that. That's fine. But not in okay. You don't do that with college players. You don't. You don't do that with high school players. You don't. I've maybe I'm old fashioned in that way. I just I can't do it. I can't call out players. I just think it's wrong to do it. Um, pros, different ball game. You're making $3 million a year as a pro wide receiver and you have 14 drops in the season. You probably are due some criticism. You know? I, I don't know how you feel about that, Matt, but I just I can't bring myself to do it. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous sales staff, great deals to be had, and also uh, a great uh, service department. It's not just something major. I mean, routine maintenance is critical. In fact, that's going to be, you know, 
Now, obviously, I don't live there, so since I'm not living in Sunbury, um, you know, it's something I know I'm going to do here coming up because I've got a couple of drive trips I have to make. Well, I might make sure tires are set, oil change, everything like that. So, And Sunbury Motors, their service department, takes care of all that stuff and more. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so let's get to James Franklin's uh, press conference today. He talked about several topics. One of them is obviously the problem of not having his family here right now. The direct answer is no. There's been a lot of factors in 2020. If you're not careful, then a lot of those factors can become distractions. And I think we have done a, a really good job of handling a lot of the things away from football but there was a lot of time and energy spent on those things you know i'll be honest with you one of the things that i have not done a great job of handling personally that i have to be honest with myself and honest with the team and honest with you guys i have not done a great job of managing my family being gone i have not um they're my fuel i go home you know they're able to pour into me and I've not, I've not done a great job of that. Again, at the end of the day, I have to. I have to manage those things. i got to come to work. i got to do a great job. All right, so that's one right there. And so I want to start stop there for one second. Uh, this is where I can empathize with James. Uh I want to go back, for me personally, to 2007. 2007, and also this went into, boy, this extended into 2009, too. Um, My son Christopher needed major surgery in 2007. Major surgery. And he was in the hospital up in Boston for a little more than two months. And then we have family in Connecticut, and he then went there for another month, month and a half. And so there's nobody here. I made frequent trips to Boston where I'd leave. I'd do the game on Saturday. I'd leave Saturday night, come back Monday night. You know, I did that for a few weeks. Then you have to—you got to take a weekend off. You can't keep tri- driving seven hours up and seven hours back to do it. But you know, and there, this is 2007. There's no FaceTime. And, but you're separated at that point. So there's no FaceTime. There's no Skype. That stuff doesn't exist in 2007. So I can empathize with how he feels about that. And then in 2009, I'll, you know, they're right here in our own backyard, so I'm just going to say it straight out so everybody understands. When there was a complication in February of 2009 with my son, Geisinger saved his life. Geisinger flat out saved his life. But he was also in the hospital there. I was doing a basketball game at Purdue, was called because he was involved in a study at the time. You know, that's what this initial surgery was about, the study. Well, I every item that they sent to the house, I read. 
and I'm reading one of them about there have been problems with this and perforations with it with other patients. Well, he felt like he had the flu, and he couldn't get over it for a few days, like bad flu. I was like, and and I was out at Purdue. I get called, and I said, look, get him to the hospital now. I said, I think there's a problem, because I'd been reading everything they were sending me. I mean, anything they sent me, I wanted to read. That way, I was trying to keep myself out of the curve here. Right, boom, and they sent him to Geisinger. They saved his life. And he was in Geisinger for for weeks. I mean, I he had a surgery on a Saturday. I drove, was there for the surgery. Boom, drove back, did a game with Minnesota in basketball, drove back. So I know how he feels about this. Uh, and anybody who's critical of him hasn't been in his shoes. In uh, it may be different for me than what he's going through right now, but he's trying to protect his child. But I can empathize with him as to how he feels about that because I've lived it and knew what it was like for me going back forth, back forth, the whole thing, coming back, nobody here. You know, I mean, I understand that. You know, you got to keep pushing forward and working, which I did. But, okay. Uh, what is the next one? On track, I can guarantee you the next one I can't empathize with. So <laughs> let's let's get to that one. You can't come in and pat the program on the back when you're successful and use culture as a part of it, and not you know at least look at it and discuss it when when times are challenging. I know our approach hasn't changed. That goes back to my point that I said early on about. You know, how I lead, and I'm going to lead with love through the good times and the bad times. And I think, you know, I'm being tested right now, and we're being tested. And I think, you know, Leadership 101 is the consistency. So for, for me, my approach, you know, when I became a head coach and my approach over the last 10 years has been consistent. I think sometimes right now, again, back to COVID, I think it's hard for people to see because you're not at practice, you're not around us as much. Even on the sideline, all you can see is my fogged up glasses. You don't see facial expressions. So it magnifies everything. No doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And that's that's one area, for example, and I've talked about this in terms of what I think about the football team. I usually uh, I have a really good gauge on personnel because I can watch that part of practice. I can watch that. But you also get a read when you're actually there about interaction with players, interaction, thought processes of coaches as to what they like and what they don't like, players talking on the sideline. I get all that when I'm there. Well, I'm not allowed to be there. I can watch practice. But I can't. I'm not allowed to be out there on the field with them. All right, and so I can't get a gauge on that part. And that you know, so people say, "Well, it's a leadership problem." Look, I could tell you if it was a leadership problem. I'll give you a good example. All right, I'll give you a good example. Remember a couple of years ago. Um, at Michigan in basketball, and of course, remember you know, Pat Chambers with Miles Dredd. Well, I know exactly what happened there because Miles Dredd 
when Lamar was calling huddles in practice, would be talking and did and yapping and the whole thing. And like the other players have to tell him to shut up. Listen to the you know you're a freshman. Listen to the junior. Okay, uh, so I knew what happened because I was there and saw it every single day. I mean, this time it's a little different gauge because you know even though I can see what's you know going on in practice, yes, but I'm, I'm that's a, that's an element I can't judge because that's an element I'm not around. When I'm there, I'm around it, and I can see who the leaders are, how they lead, how they go about their business, how they talk football on the sideline, how they're instructing younger players. I mean, I see all that. Don't have that this year. So he's so when he talks about that separation, he's right. You know, you got now. One thing you can that he can examine where they are culture wise, but don't make too dramatic a change here, okay? Because sometimes you can make a change. And how you go about your business, which he's not doing. And I will. And here's the other part. Based on what I watched in the preseason, okay. Let's ask this question: Are they are they, are they playing the right guys? Based on what I saw in the preseason, the depth chart is exactly the way I thought it was going to be. Based on what I saw, right? Based on what I saw, the depth chart is where I thought it would be. Right, and it's not favoritism or anything like that. Just based on what I saw, the depth chart makes complete sense to me. We'll see now moving forward what they want to do with it. And so moving forward with that, Rich Scarcella asking about, uh, boy, this one's about quarterbacks, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, this is about the quarterbacks, Sean Clifford and Will Levis. Yeah, we need to get Will involved in a lot of different ways. I think to the points that were brought up earlier, the hits that Sean has has taken to help Sean out and, and also to continue investing in will will's earned that you know will has earned that over his time here and obviously we've used him in the past so you know we we need to do that and i think you'll you'll see that i think you'll see that moving forward not just this week but for the rest of the season and i and i will say this taekwon uh, i think in the last month has really you know made some progress you know we scrimmage on sundays uh, i forget it seems like uh an eternity ago when you guys what day you guys used to come to practice but we we scrimmage on on sundays with all those guys and and um that's been really good work and and taekwon's done some things to get to get people excited uh in fact i thought he looked good sunday night taekwon roberson yeah uh now as for will levis they did run obviously the quote wildcat package with him against indiana and of course he had the fumble all right, uh, and that's not going to, you know, that's not going to go over big no matter what. Okay, when that when that happens, especially in the red zone like that. Right. But yeah, it, what's different when you have a quarterback in that particular package that we're talking about, who's a really good runner? Let's move ahead to Taysom Hill of of the New Orleans Saints. When Taysom Hill goes back there. You make the assumption that he's he's going to run with the ball, right? But he's a quarterback. He can throw it and does. I'll take you back to the Alamo Bowl. In 2007. I'm talking a lot about 2007 here. So let's go back to the Alamo Bowl 2007. 
Anthony Morelli's the quarterback. It's going to be his last game as the starting quarterback at Penn State. Penn State put in a wildcat package with Daryl Clark. Five times they had him in a quarterback. All five times they either scored a touchdown or got a first down. Didn't mean Daryl ran it all five times. He didn't. But five times in, they either got a first down or a touchdown the five times they used him in this, quote, wildcat role. So after the game, I asked Jay and Galen when I was talking to them, Jay Paterno and Galen Hall, I said, was there any point where you had it in where he was going to throw the ball? And Jay looked at me and says, it was going to be the the sixth play. The, the sixth play, if they had one, he was going to throw the ball. I said, really? Said, yeah. He said, they just never got to the sixth play. It was right there. He said, play six, you know, and he show you the play sheet, and it's right there. You can do that, obviously, with somebody who is a quarterback playing this position. So while Will Levis can go back there, and you can make the assumption it's like the like Minnesota with Seth Green, who scored the overtime touchdown, replacing Tanner Morgan against Maryland. You can put him back there, and he can run, and Levis can certainly run. He's got the power to run. I mean, look, against Rutgers last year when he had a start, he ran better than he threw the ball. It's just a fact. When you have a quarterback back there as opposed to somebody else, now the playbook is still open for every play. Even though the defense is going to make an assumption that he's probably running the ball, which is a decent assumption going in because of, of pattern, it doesn't mean that he's still a quarterback. He can still throw the ball. So that you can put stuff in there that can throw the the opposition off balance just as a changeup once in a while because most times when people run the, quote, wildcat with a non-quarterback, they are not throwing the ball. I remember Derek Williams against Iowa. They put him in the wildcat, and he actually did throw the ball, and he threw it down the middle to Mickey Schuler for it, 25 yards. Like, and I was like, what? He threw the ball? Yeah, I know it's it's ill that I remember these plays. But, as Don said, as the self-proclaimed... What am I self-proclaimed as? Self-proclaimed. Okay. <laughs> I'm self-proclaimed. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember what day I did that. <laughs> Some days you just shake your head and wonder. All right. So there you go. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. Great to have you with us today on the show. See, Roethlisberger tested positive. See that? I'm going to talk to Neil Kulon coming up about this. But, yeah, Roethlisberger tested positive for it. Uh, now, he could be. Now, we don't know. He could end up being in the same boat as Matthew Stafford was last week, if you recall. 
Matthew Stafford. Um, ended up what being exposed to somebody with it, and so they put him on the COVID list, and in the process, he then tested negative twice. And they let him play on Sunday. So we'll see what the deal is with Roethlisberger on that. Uh, Now, that, if he can't play, uh, if he can't play, um, then uh, Mason Rudolph's a starter. That's not good. But it sounds like as long as he keeps testing negative, which he did today, then he'll be good to go on Sunday as well as everybody else that's on the list, which includes Vince Williams too. Right. But that's why I pointed out the Matthew Stafford example. Right. Stafford was on the COVID-19 list last week but played. And that's that's the whole key to it. The key to it is if you keep testing negative, uh, you're out five days, but that's it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that with James talking about his family today, again, it's about him, but I, I only cited the example about what, only because I can empathize. I know what, I know what he's going through. It's, yeah. You know, I, and I knew it was going to be. I knew it was going to be a problem for him. I mean, that's one of those you just know going in. And on that again, the story about the story is quite simple. You're around, you're around these girls all the time, right? Shola and Addie. They run up to you in practice all the time, and give you a big hug and the whole deal because they're just really wonderful, affectionate. Kids who love their dad. Yeah. I think sometimes what gets in the way of uh, of personal perception of people is I think oh, and this is a big this is a big part of what's going on here. By the way, in terms of the perception of it, is people know how much money he makes. And I've talked about that forever. I mean, for Jim Harbaugh, what's Jim Harbaugh's biggest problem at Michigan? Yeah, he's the head coach at Michigan, but everybody knows he's making $9 million a year. So, of course, the fans want to know. I'm just going to use Harbaugh as an example. What am I getting for for our, quote, $9 million investment? I mean, how many times have you heard me complain about the Shikalimi broadcast because I know how much that guy's making? Bad example? Eh, on the right track. (laughs) I mean, look what he drives.